0: The Critical Care PRN is dedicated to fostering the role of critical care pharmacists as essential members of the multidisciplinary patient care team. The Critical Care PRN's goal is to optimize drug therapy outcomes by promoting excellence and innovation in clinical pharmacy practice, research, and education. For more information, including how to become a member, go to critprn.accp.com. Again, that website is critprn.accp.com. Welcome to Pharmacy to Dose, the Critical Care Podcast, a partner of the ACCP Critical Care PR and any member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I'm your host, Nick Peters. And wherever you are and whoever you are listening, thank you. Well, speaking of thank you, uh, this episode is being released on Thanksgiving Day. Now let's just get this out of the way. Thanksgiving is the goat of major holidays. The day is focused on family, food. Football, there's no stressing about gifts, balancing parties. Like the only worry is like, when are you going to squeeze in a nap? When, when is it appropriate to get that second plate? When do leftovers start? All those great things. Thanksgiving's the best. And, In honor of the holiday weekend, uh, we're having a fun episode. So over the past uh, four years, I've asked quite a few guests about food recommendations in their specific cities. Now, one thing I learned as I was going through and compiling these is I want to start doing this a little more because it feels like I've I've trailed off in in recent episodes figuring these things out, finding what these, these best local restaurants are, but... Essentially, think of this as a clip show of all the restaurant food recommendations from previous guests. So there's not a single piece of medicine discussed in this entire episode. Just fun things for the holiday weekend. I'll lead off the episode with some Indianapolis wrecks. I realize I haven't got to to shout out a couple of my local uh, indie faves. And then we'll take a tour of the U.S., so we're going to have over 10 different cities highlighted in the episode with your favorite pharmacists giving their food and restaurant recommendations for their city. So uh, the discussion will start in the Northeast. We'll make our way to the Southwest. Now, just a, a quick note. Remember that the uh, podcast started before COVID. So some of these clips will discuss social distancing, quarantining, etc. So just want to give everyone a quick heads up. Um, And then at the end of the episode, I'll share a little bit of what's been going on in my personal life recently. Some know, some don't. Uh, When I think of how thankful I am on Thanksgiving Day for each and every one of you, the listeners and friends of the pod, I thought it was only fair to kind of let you know what was happening. So that'll be at the end. But let's get into this Thanksgiving Day episode. Gobble, gobble. So we have to start the discussion with Indianapolis, my city, my hometown, crossroads of America. Right. And you can't think of famous Indianapolis restaurants without thinking of the steakhouse St. Elmo's. You've seen it in parks and rec. Uh, it is if they, if you watch sports and it's an Indianapolis home game, that'll be one of the like classic city picks that they show. Um, the one funny, the one thing you should know if you do go, incredible cocktail sauce. Hot, hotter than you would you would ever think if you haven't had it because of the fresh, fresh horseradish. And one of the coolest things about St. Elmo's is when there are famous things, you know, big like Final Fours or the Combine and things happening, you could kind of sit at the bar and see really famous people walk in and out of St. Elmo's. So that's a pro tip. Very, very fun. Now, when we're talking about Indianapolis foods, we could exclusively discuss steakhouses, but... There is tons, tons more in the city. Want to give two more local faves. Uh, First, Cafe Patichu. Classic, classic breakfast and lunch place. All throughout the city. Fresh local ingredients. allergen and diet friendly. Uh, So, so good. And then uh, the pizza place, Kingdo. Wood-fired pizza. Just incredible. Chef's kiss. Incredible. So, could talk all day. Those are three of the faves or or most famous in the city of Indianapolis. Now we shift to the Northeast to start our food tour of the U S and we start all the way up in Boston with grace Erdman. Uh, we're doing a Boston kind of, would you rather in a sense? So uh, the two famous, Massachusetts foods, right? You have the lobster roll and clam chowder. So, Grace, if you could only have one of those, right, and the other one you're never allowed to eat again, what are you choosing? What's the what's the king of the Boston food since you've been there a couple months now?
3: Hands down, I would go with the lobster roll. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, since we're not in Maine, I'm still going to have to pay an arm and a leg <laughs> for it, but <laughs> I will never pass up a lobster roll, not once.
0: Yeah, because even if it's wintertime, you can still like a lobster roll could hit still hit good every now and then. But like clam chowder on a one hundred and five degree day just does not like hit. Right. So, yeah, yeah.
3: Not, not quite.
0: Yeah. <laughs> From lobster rolls to pizza. Our next stop is New Haven, where Steve Lemieux and Kelly OJ tell us their favorite pizza shop in this famous pizza area. You're from Connecticut, right? You get to experience that Yale New Haven pizza. So, let us know what is your favorite pizza in the Connecticut area. I would say
4: the white clam pizza from Pepe's for sure. Definitely would be my favorite.
0: I love that. I think that's the first Pepe's recommendation. That's one of the fa- that's one of like the infamous spots like nationwide. But that's one of the first times it's it's got the shout out on here. Now, what's white clam? So, is that literally? a white pizza with clams on top. Is it, is, is am I interpreting that correctly? Exactly. Yep.
4: Uh, cheese, olive oil. And if you want to make it a little better, have them add some bacon to it too.
0: (laughs) That seems like something that would be terrible in Indiana, but amazing in Connecticut. So it feels like one of those when (laughs) when you're on the coast, we'll go and get that. But if not, um, I think we'll probably stick to my famous cheese here. You're coming from Yale, New Haven, So this is, it's like if I talk to someone from Philly, I'm going to get their cheesesteak recommendation. If I talk to someone who spent time in Yale, New Haven, we got to get a pizza rec. So Kelly, let us know you have one day, one slice of pizza you can have in Yale, New Haven. Where are you going?
5: The answer doesn't come without consequences, depending on who you talk to. I... Couldn't leave New Haven without a slice of Sally's pizza. Although, less lesser on the radar is a place called Zanelli's. It has been re- top rated in Connecticut. So, if anyone wants to try anything different, we have the Sally's, we have Pepe's, Modern. Those are a Hallmark three, but Zanelli's, that's an underdog. I recommend that one too, selfishly. Uh,
0: all right. That sounds good. I always love when people recommend Sally's. That's where I went. I literally drove to the East Coast and planned my drive out to stop in Yale. To be able to have us to have a piece of pizza, so um yeah, definitely worth the drive. All right, what's your go-to slice? There, we got to go one step further. Like, are you cheese, pepperoni, veggie? You go off the board. What's I'm your What's your go-to?
5: Pepperoni gal. I love pepperoni. You can't. You, I I love a good veggie too, but pepperoni. I just can tell the quality of the pizza by a good slice of pep.
0: Now let's take a pit stop in Buffalo where Nick Cervati shares his favorite place to get, what else? Buffalo wings in the city. So I have to ask, we were we were preparing for this, and I was asking, you know, um, where you were from. You're like, I'm actually not from, from Massachusetts. I'm from Buffalo. So two-part question. Number one, are they buffalo wings or chicken wings? And then number two, give us give us the the scoop on one of maybe not your like number 1 favorite but maybe like your number 2 favorite wing place in buffalo because for those who don't know like that's the that's the capital for this so nick grew up in in <laughs> chicken wing heaven
2: yes yes the Mecca of chicken wings i would say to answer your first question i've always called them a chicken wing i don't know if that's because we're from buffalo but i guess if i were to throw down the gauntlet and say hey where chicken wings from the, it's a Buffalo chicken wing. But you know, when you say Buffalo, it's almost like back home, you're saying like, I want a chicken wing in Buffalo style, right? Like like you want a Buffalo sauce. So you wouldn't say a Buffalo wing, but then you want it in a barbecue sauce. So I think that would just make it too confusing.
0: Okay. That makes, that actually does make sense. Okay.
2: And then I guess, you know, where would I tell somebody to go get chicken wings? You know, I went to, to University of Buffalo, and honestly, between the two campuses was a Duff's, uh, Duff's Wings, and that was kind of the location to go to. Uh, they were always crispy. You'd always ask for them extra crispy. That's the key. Always. Before the sauce goes on, it has to be crispy. Um, but, you know, Anchor Bar is the original if you really want to go for the whole trip down memory lane, but I would say Duff's if I had to pick and go back.
0: Let's go. That's great. Love that. That's definitely one. Cause the problem is when you when you look it's like a list of like 10 of them it's like where do we even start so that's oh, yeah. perfect we can't leave new york state without some discussion on new york pizza and corinne burger and peter nicholas give their recommendations a follow-up new york question i really couldn't help myself so for any of us visiting the new york city area what's your favorite pizza place there
6: Uh, I would have to say probably Grimaldi's in Brooklyn. Um, I went there before my Brooklyn half marathon last year. It was the perfect carb load. It's the perfect pizza. I'm sure there's really hundreds of awesome pizza places in the city, but, uh, that's a solid go-to. Oh,
0: that sounds delicious. Now, what's your, are are you just a, like a plain pizza person, like cheese only, or what's your, what's your kind of go-to order when you go?
6: I like everything, but, you know, if you have a really good pizza, plain cheese is the right way to go. So I like to do plain cheese a lot.
1: Solid
0: recommendation. I, I completely agree with that. Although I am partial to the square pieces at Prince Street Pizza. I'm not 100% sure where that is, but absolutely delicious. You're right, though. I, I think any block you turn on there, you're going to find something good. But hand up, at heart, I'm definitely a New York-style thin crust pizza man um so what's your favorite pizza spot in new york <laughs> so you, it's funny that you asked me that because i'm actually a pretty pretty new new yorker i moved up
2: here in july um so i haven't really gone to any of the famous or more well-known spots but any of your local pizza shops here in new york have great pizza for the most part um i'm from philly so i'm a cheese guy um, so if you need my cheesesteak recommendations, it's not Gino's or Pat's.
0: Oh yeah. Um, come come on. We had, we had Todd, <laughs> our, our last episode had Todd Miano who was from Philly and he gave some, but I, I'm, I'm always open to new recommendations. So lay it on us.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a gym, gym steaks kind of guy. Um, so if you ever go to Philly, great city, try out some gyms.
0: The the listeners now have three cheesesteaks to eat, but in Philly, like that's not out of the realm of ordinary of coming home with like a cheesesteak eating contest or tasting kind of thing. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely not.
0: It always comes back to Philly, doesn't it? So let's continue with cheesesteak recommendations from five more friends of the pod. Ashley and Brooke Barlow, Sarah Groom, Alyssa Meester, and Todd Miano. You went to school in Philly. You're from Pennsylvania. So, anyone that's from Philly, if you've listened, we have to ask, let us know cheesesteaks. What are your favorite? What's your go to spot if you were uh, to have family or friends in town? <laughs>
6: So, I think I, I have to preface this by saying Ashley and I are from Northeast Philadelphia. So, a lot of people may think of the traditional, you know, Pats and Genos that are in more Southeast Philadelphia. Um, again, since we were born and raised in the Northeast, we are um, wholeheartedly Steve Steaks fans. It's right on the, um, it's a hidden charm on the corner of Buffleton Avenue in Northeast Philadelphia. And they serve the classic Philly cheesesteak, which I think a lot of people may think is like the provolone fried onion mushroom. But it's actually the cheese whiz that really is the classic, you know, Philly cheesesteak vibe, and they, they do a great one there. So I'm a good old cheese whiz and fried onion fan on my on my cheesesteak and from Steve Steaks.
0: I just googled it. And not only is it Steve Steaks, it's Steve's Prince of Steaks. And boy, if you that look at correct. these pictures, they are deli- They look delicious. I'm like salivating looking at them.
6: They are are great. Highly recommended. The funny thing is, Brooke and I did not even talk about this before getting on the phone call, and I was going to
3: say the same exact thing. I mean, we are truly twins. Great minds think alike.
0: Because everyone knows if someone from Philly, anyone have has any ties to Philly comes on the pod, we need cheesesteak recommendations. So, Alyssa um, I, I, we gave you all a little bit of time to think you. So Alyssa, why don't you start with like, if someone's visiting and they're asking you for a cheesesteak recommendation, what's your go to, um, and then Sarah will follow up with, with, uh, your thoughts.
6: Yeah. So, uh, Sarah is a Philly native, so she probably has much more sound recommendations on this than I do, but, um, because I lived in Philly during the pandemic, I didn't get to go to many places in person, but I did do my best to try as many cheesesteaks as I could order to be delivered to my door. <laughs> um, one that I ordered the most often was from Cleavers, which uh, if you're looking to go in person, it's on 18th and Chestnut near Rittenhouse Square. Um, but all of their cheesesteaks, they have so many and they're all my mouth is watering thinking about it. Um, they're so good. Several have also been endorsed by my dog because he would jump up and get a hold of half my cheesesteaks on more than one occasion. Um, they've got all sorts of loaded fries and milkshakes as well. But yeah, just so many good options at Cleaver's. I'm here for it.
0: Now, Alyssa, the, you said you ordered a lot of these delivery cheesesteaks feel like one of those that probably holds pretty well for, for a delivery ride. There are some things that are that are shaky, but how does that hold up?
6: Yeah, they, I mean, I never had an issue with cheesesteaks that I got delivered to me. They were always fantastic. So really, anywhere that I went in Philly, it can't go wrong.
0: All right. Now, Sarah, the Philly native, um, now to, to bring people in, I told her there's no wrong answers unless she says one of the big three, Pat's, Geno's, or Jim's. That would be a wrong answer here. So Sarah, what's your go-to as, a, as the native?
5: Uh, I would never commit a sin like that, but first <laughs> say, uh, so I also love cleavers. It's not my choice, but I'll, I'll mention it because I think it's ironic because I actually just moved and I am like a block away from them and everything on their menu is fabulous. That but, sounds like a gift and a so curse
0: <laughs> being a block away from a place like that.
5: <sighs> Sadly, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, all right, so I'll give you my prime recommendation and I'll give you the low-key, silly, local recommendation. So... My more well-known recommendation, it actually doesn't even have cheesesteak or steak in the name. It's called John's Roast Pork. It's in <laughs> South Philly. Literally the best cheesesteak you'll ever have. You heard it here first. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the my, my more local, low-key option, though, would be Angelo's Pizzeria on 9th Street. Again, amazing cheesesteak. So you Whoa. can't go wrong with either places that's a curveball
0: that's hiding in plain sight a pizza place is like a low-key favorite cheesesteak spot Uh uh-oh they they both
5: have instagram they both have instagrams like you just got to go on and see a picture and you're like i know what you're talking about (laughs)
0: I like that. But between I've had so many Philly people on indirect, you know, that are, that are indirectly related to it. I feel like when I finally go, I'm going to have like eight places that I need to try with a lot of South Philly places. That's not the first South Philly spot we've had. uh, We've had recommended on here. We have to discuss an important question since you're a Philly guy. So where's your go-to cheesesteak establishment?
2: Um, for me, it's pretty clear. Pat, um, uh, there are there are a lot of places in the city. The two most famous, I think, are probably Pat's and Geno's, in in South Philly. And what's kind of remarkable is that they're right across the street from each other. Um, and so what, when I first moved to Philadelphia, I me and my friends, that was like the first thing that we did is we went down the South Street. Um, we uh, went to Geno's, got in line, yeah, uh, sit in line for an hour, got a cheesesteak, and then we went. Right across the street to Pat's,
4: <laughs> and tried that one out.
2: Um, yeah, so if, if you're in the city and and you want to, you know, after you get done um, running the art museum steps like Rocky, head down to Pat's and, and you'll have a good trip.
0: Now I'll just say, you know, I have one of my one of my good friends. Shout out Jack. He uh, he's from. Uh, he went to Villanova, and he introduced me to a a hole in the wall cheesesteak place. It's called Falones. F-A-L-O-N-E. It's one of those, it's like it's like a gas station. It sells, it's like it's like a package store and things, but I, I have not had a better cheesesteak to this day. Now we're crab walking to Maryland with recommendations from two terrapins, Mojda Hevner and Amy Jung. So For those of us who maybe, you know, haven't visited or are planning on visiting, do you have any, you know, what's like a good restaurant or maybe a good place to get drink kind of recommendation for visitors?
3: Um, I have to say my favorite restaurant in Baltimore um, that I think a lot of people walk by and don't realize how great it is, is the Charleston. Um, You know, I've been to some fancy restaurants in New York City and other places, and, and I think it probably ranks up there with a lot of those restaurants.
0: Oh, now that sounds great. So is that more of like a, like a dinner place or I've never heard of it?
3: Yeah, it's a little bit, um, it's, it's a pretty nice dinner place. Um, American kind of contemporary food.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. I, myself, I love Miss Shirley's, you know, their breakfast and brunch there is just absolutely undefeated. Um, Oh, definitely. What's the best meal or kind of the best restaurant you've been to in Maryland?
6: So uh, one of my favorite restaurants, and I think I've, if COVID is over, I really want to go. back again mm-hmm. is Woodbury Kitchen. I really love the food there. It's uh, all using local source ingredients, and um, the food is
7: fantastic.
0: Oh, it's always great when you know you're you're helping the people that live that live in your same area. Um, you kind of track where it's from and all that stuff that sounds delicious i know isn't that right that's what my wife and i were talking about the other day is just going back um just to some of the restaurants that you miss because takeout's good but like at a certain point it's it's just it's not the same
6: i uh, totally agree like you you need to eat in the restaurant for that atmosphere and you know like food is always better if it's fresh out from the kitchen Mm and not like in the box so
0: Oh, yeah. Isn't that true? The trip down south continues as we go to the brunch capital of the world, Charleston, South Carolina, and get recommendations from Melanie Smith Condeni. So MUSC is located in... Charleston, South Carolina. Now, I've actually never visited Charleston, but even I know that brunch in Charleston kind of go together like like peas and carrots. So when our social distancing is over and we can safely leave the house, what a, what's one of your go-to spots when you're looking for some delicious brunch around the city?
5: You know, I
3: debated about... Telling you my true answer because Charleston, when we're not social distancing, is sort of overrun by tourists. Uh, but one of the places that tourists and locals alike cannot get enough of is Hall's Chop House. So Hall's House is actually one of the best steakhouses in the country. Um, they are known for having delicious steaks, amazing appetizers, and sides that go with these perfectly cooked thick and juicy steaks. Um, but they're also known for just having... Great hospitality, showing off that true Southern hospitality and treating every customer like they're one of the family. So it's the Hall's family that owns this um, steakhouse. But I think one of the coolest things that they do is called a gospel brunch. So on Sundays, either before or after church, or you get enough gospel singing. You could probably count this as church. <laughs> um, but they will have gospel singers sitting down there playing um, the piano and other instruments and singing gospel songs while you're having your mimosa or your Bloody Mary with your um, delicious brunch. So the food's delicious. The atmosphere is awesome. They treat every customer just, just like their family. It's definitely one of my favorite places in Charleston.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like an a- absolute blast when you have not only one of your favorite restaurants or places to go in general, but then when they add like a show or like something along with it, that sounds like, uh, like it's unbeatable um, as long as you probably can avoid that 60 or 90-minute wait that's probably pretty common there.
3: Yes, it is for sure, but the shrimp and grits there are worth every minute of that 60-minute wait for sure.
0: From brunch to barbecue, Morgan Jones tells us his favorite Memphis barbecue restaurant. And when I think of Tennessee cuisine, I think the absolute first thing I think about is Memphis barbecue. So, you know, what are your go to spots when you're in the mood or, you know, where do you recommend family or friends if they ask for your advice on on where to go?
4: Well, anybody who comes to Memphis knows that there is no shortage on high-quality food in this area. It's probably why we keep jumping between one and two on the second most obese city in the United States list. Um, We actually worked to kind of settle this argument in a pretty unique way with some of our friends, and we did it with our residents last year for their Christmas party, um, where we actually have gotten different barbecue restaurants from around the city, blinded them, had people eat, taste, and then vote for their favorites. So I've done that three times with some of my friends here. The first two times, the same place one, uh, it's down the street from me. It's called the Germantown Commissary. It's actually kind of in a little shack. Um, it's from the best barbecue you'll ever have. Um, they opened a new restaurant that's much bigger and nicer in Collierville, Tennessee, which is just another suburb a few miles away from me. But this last time we did it with the residents, we put Central Barbecue, um, Germantown Commissary, and then a place. Um, in Midtown called the barbecue shop up head to head. And most people who come to Memphis are told that central is the best. And I kind of found it interesting with our whole class of, you know, 15 residents and some preceptors that actually was everybody's least favorite. And the barbecue shop, uh, kind of won the head to head with the Germantown commissary. So I would say if you're here, definitely try them all. But the barbecue shop and the Germantown commissary are definitely my favorites.
0: What a, what a great idea of kind of doing like a, like a taste test. That's, that's so perfect. And the, it, it's, it seems like a universal truth that some of the best foods are just in, you know, shacks or hole in the walls. Because they're not spending yep. money on anything else but that delicious food. Absolutely. Chris Drogie highlights one of the most famous local foods in the U.S., Skyline Chili, made famous in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, before we get into anything of importance or value, I, I have to stop and we have to talk about Skyline Chili. So for the non-Midwesterners listening, the statement I just made may be confusing. So instead of classic chili where you have beans, maybe some meat, veggies, oh, it's really good. And when it gets cold, kind of chili season, what Skyline Chili is, is it's generally a sauce that's poured over kind of spaghetti or hot dogs. So what are your thoughts on Skyline Chili or, or Gold Star? Do you like it? I, I, have to, I, I ask almost every single person I talk to from Cincinnati because I'm fascinated by it.
7: Yeah, it's certainly a Cincinnatiism. ism it, It's expanded for sure and, and, and driven by Skyline itself. It is it's definitely different than your customary chili. Like you might have your, your your grandma make in the winter to warm up with all the beans as you as you mentioned. It's a little bit more ground meat. Uh the, the recipes are big deals. Like they're locked away in something short of like a, a federal, you know, bank so nobody can touch <laughs> it. And that's no joke with the families um for both Gold Star and Skyline. But think about a finely ground beef with a lock and key. Uh, recipe put aside that is put on top of a a generally fairly small hot dog on a bun uh, with in a staple other additions to that are onions and and just cheddar cheese shredded cheddar cheese and it's been around for for decades 100 years i mean it skyline itself uh was, was really started here by a, a greek immigrant family um that brought some of their history with them the the person who started it and, and the family that started it actually worked for another Coney place like they were already established in Cincinnati back then and they were up on Price Hill uh, which is a small city here in Cincinnati that overlooks the skyline of Cincinnati and it just took off from there there's probably four or five different uh, branches of of Coney places around here and then a lot of mom and pop places thankfully it's expanded I think it's all the way down in Florida and stuff now I like them Um, I'm I'm certainly not eating them right now but it, it, they're dangerous. I'll tell you that. Because it's not just the cheese conies. They, they have different, uh, they have three and four ways and five ways. And every time you add a number, you're adding another ingredient to it. They're absolutely delicious. And it's easy for somebody my size to sit down and before you realize you've taken a breath, eat one or two or ten of them.
0: Now, do you feel like it's a, and you absolutely love it, or you absolutely don't love it, and there's really no in between? Or is that just like an outsider's perspective?
7: That is an outsider's perspective. I've I've heard that quite a bit, and it and it's interesting. I I will tell you I I just again I don't look at it as anything unique. I like it, but I've had plenty of friends from out of town come in. They're like, what what is this? Why I don't understand this. Um, and, and who came up with this concept? And what why why do I have the Skyline Chili now in my local grocery store? Where did this come from? Um, it kind of is a dichotomy. I'll give you that. There are people who are just lukewarm, uh, but I will tell you. I've seen some folks who at least claim not to like it, especially in college, because they become kind of popular joints, you know, late nights when you're studying and stuff along those lines. And I've seen people certainly evolve to liking it more with continued exposure.
0: Pizza or casserole? Let's go to Chicago where Matt Robertus tells us his favorite Chicago deep dish pizza restaurant. What are your What are your thoughts on Chicago deep dish? And then, I guess the follow up would be, you know, what's your What's the favorite spot?
7: So I'm all in on deep dish pizza. Um, I'm really all in on any pizza, so I don't have any kind of like hate <laughs> for
2: for New York versus Chicago style. But um, it's definitely different, and it's it's almost you know, it's almost like eating a lasagna or something. You got to kind of knife and fork it. Um, but my favorite place here is definitely Lou Malnati's.
7: Uh, I know there's a big rivalry here between Lou Malnati's Giordano's, you East, things like that. And people probably have strong opinions, uh, in your listening base as well. But for me, it's
2: Lou Malnadis
0: Yeah. I, I completely agree on that front. Lou Malnani's definitely takes the cake for me. You know, it's weird living in Indy. You'll see, you'll see Giordano's. You know, chains they've kind of expanded and they're all over the place. So that to me, if there was ever any question, kind of go with the one that that stayed a little more a little more local. Now, now hand up. I do kind of prefer more of like the, the thin crust brick oven style pizza, but it's one of those things when you when you go to Chicago, you really gotta eat as the Chicagoans eat. So definitely a deep dish pizza. And then you know if you put ketchup on a on a hot dog, I think they I think they throw you into Lake Michigan as, as punishment.
2: Yeah. yeah, you get banished from the city if you put ketchup on a hot dog.
0: <laughs> Wait, more pizza? Yep. More pizza. Zach Smith highlights his favorite Detroit-style pizza place. I'm a pizza guy, and I was exposed to Detroit pizza recently a couple months ago, and I'm in. I, I think it's so good, so give give myself and the listeners a tip. What's your What's your go-to? What's your favorite Detroit pizza spot in kind of your local Michigan area?
1: I think if you're going like classic, old-school Detroit pizza, one of the restaurants that is kind of a... Uh, I guess I I would say unique to Detroit is Buddy's Pizza so they kind of have more of a deep dish square type pizza and they put the sauce on the top so they put the cheese on the bottom and then the sauce on the top Um, some people like it some people don't if you're looking for something unique and then I two others that I really like are Jets Pizza which originated in uh, Detroit and then uh, Green Lantern Pizza and the one that I is my favorite you can't go wrong with any of those three, but I personally like the Green Lanterns
4: pizza the best in in Michigan.
0: That's how you know you have an amazing selection when you couldn't even narrow it down to one. You had to shout out. You had to get. You had to get the top three out because I'm sure the list is is crazy long. So love that. Now let's move down south and get some recommendations on where to eat in Texas from Josiah Smith in Austin and Matt Wana in Houston. Now, Austin is kind of known across the country for being home to some of the most really good food, but specifically, definitely the most delicious tacos as well, like Tex-Mex is very big, obviously. Now, as a man, I know you love trying new restaurants. That's one of your things. So I have to ask, where should we be going to get some of this delicious food, some of these great tacos?
1: Yeah, so the beautiful thing about Austin, um, you really can't go wrong with a lot of the places, you know. We definitely like our smaller local um, restaurants. Not a ton of chains that necessarily come through there. People will always tell you about like uh, their favorite spot in whatever neighborhood they're in. Um, when I think of like Tex-Mex, and you got to remember this is Tex-Mex. This is not purely authentic like Hispanic Mexican food. So there is like a Texas component to it. Um, one of the biggest ones has got to be like El Rancho. It's been there for over 60 years. It's busy all the time. Um, got great, uh, great queso, great tacos, great, everything. The one that maybe not be as commercial, this place called Jalisco that's down in South Austin, um, fantastic little spot, um, that it's kind of like our neighborhood spot. It's our go to when people are in town, we're going to take them to Matt. When it's just us, we're going to go to Jalisco and get some dinner.
0: You definitely need a spot like that that you like that is just for you to you know you want to keep you kind of put it on blast a little bit. I hope I hope the spot doesn't get blown up now that you yeah yeah
1: right (laughs) yeah I know it's a great little spot off uh, William Kane and then uh, Congress down there and of course everybody's going to talk to you about barbecue. I mean the barbecue is uh, is kind of king down there, especially being in Texas. So Um, some of the ones I definitely think about uh, in terms of barbecue places. You know, everybody will tell you about Franklin. If you're willing to wait in line for six to eight hours every single day to get some barbecue, I'm sure it's well worth it. I've actually never done it. I just have not invested the time, but people love it. There's a reason why it's sold out of me every day for years. Um, other ones I think of, Salt Lick is always a good one. Our personal favorite, again, it's a little bit of a smaller one. It's a food truck. It's called Valentina's Tex-Mex Barbecue, so it's like a little bit of a Tex-Mex, a Tex-Mex spin on some barbecue, Ooh, and they've nice. got... a. They've got a great little spot down in South Austin. It's a nice little food truck. Um, they've got they've had some stuff featured on Food Network, so some people definitely like know about it. If you're like a, a foodie, uh, but that is definitely our favorite spot to kind of hit up downtown. You can get uh, barbecue tacos, and you can also just get a, a good uh, good pork, good ribs, good everything.
0: So we'll wrap up with this though. Your favorite barbecue spot in, in or around Houston would be.
2: Um so definitely killin's barbecue um, it's in a suburb called pearland um, and you know from where the suburb where I live it's o- it's almost an hour drive um, but it's definitely worth it um, and it's pretty cool because the owners actually live in the suburb where where I live so every once in a while they'll post on Facebook and you know especially during this pandemic you know they'll deliver barbecue to us so we've we've eaten it more than we typically eat it but a lot of good barbecue places in houston but if you come to houston you got to try Killen's barbecue
0: this episode even goes international as philip jacobson highlights his favorite meal from a post-residency europe excursion but what did you just get back from yeah so
2: based on advice from a lot of mentors and people i work with they encouraged me to take some time off post-residency and so I had planned a. Uh, a trip to Europe in which I spent 12 days in in Spain and Portugal. So I had the opportunity to go to Valencia, Barcelona, Lisbon, and Porto.
0: Oh wow! Okay i I even told Philip this before. I feel like I could talk an hour just about all of that. But let's let's I we got to ask two questions here. What was your best meal? And what was either your favorite city or maybe you have like a favorite activity? Either one. We'll we'll let uh, we'll let you choose. Both.
2: Two hard questions to answer after such an eventful trip, but my best meal was a seafood paella that I got at the Barcelona market. And then the favorite activity that I did was a day trip that I took to a Portuguese island called Berlingas Archipelago, Uh, a gorgeous island with uh, white sand and that light blue water that uh, we all think of with with gorgeous beaches.
0: Oh, I am... Andy, I don't know about you, I'm just jealous hearing that. Seafood paella sounds amazing. Is that is that a uh, frequent dish that you're able to get up in Ann Arbor?
6: Unfortunately, it's not. Um, I've a Joe's Crab Shack that is actually closed, so I'm hoping someday soon I'll get to have some really good you know, good food like that. But unfortunately, not a specialty here in Ann Arbor.
0: Well, the great thing is, right, you have something, you've always got to have something to look forward to, right? So now, you know, hopefully, hopefully sights set in in the future for you. And we end our food recommendations with Brian Gilbert and Haley Peters letting us know what their favorite meals are. What is your favorite meal of the day? Breakfast. Breakfast. That was so quick. Like breakfast as in just breakfast, or are you also including breakfast for dinner? (laughs) Yeah. So anytime. So, so Brenner
2: is, uh, obviously breakfast with dinner is like a royalty and I feel like a king every time my fiance had that. So she come out, you come out after uh, a 10, 12 hour shift. Uh, you know, you've just been getting beat up all day. Uh, and seeing that, seeing that text that I've got eggs egg waiting for me is a, is a royalty. So,
0: <laughs> all right. So, so building on breakfast here, are you pancakes or waffles? Uh, Kodiak cake,
2: man. Pancakes. So good. So, so, so good, man. Oh, and yeah, get the chocolate the, chip flavor.
0: That's the yeah. protein ones. Cause I, I have that for yeah. waffles. I'm a waffle guy till I die. So, all right, we're on oh, separate, man. we're on separate Hills there. <laughs> what would you say is like your favorite food?
8: oh fried chicken fried hopefully chicken. with a side of collard greens but fried chicken man
0: so what is is it like are you is it homemade is it do you have a spot here like what is uh, the
8: <laughs> no i do not have a spot in it. so i am from johnson city tennessee grown shout up.
0: out to wagon wheel right there Shout out. quick to aside wagon wheel. do you love or hate that song
8: it's a little, a little wary right now at this point. Heard it a lot <laughs> through the years, uh, but that's how I tell people where I'm from. Is like, oh, have you heard Wagon Wheel? And, oh, yeah. Well, that's I'm from Johnson City.
0: If people don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the song Wagon Wheel. Mm-hmm. You, you broke my heart a little bit too, for the record. <laughs> okay, so yeah, from so, Johnson City. Uh,
8: from Johnson City, raised by a Southern mom, Southern grandma, always in the kitchen. So. Um, I am very particular about my fried chicken, just like I'm very particular about my um, specific uh, green beans that I eat. But anyway, so um, I do not have a spot here in Indy that makes fried chicken that that suits me. Um, but I make a mean fried chicken at home. So I uh, strongly advocate for boneless fried chicken, which I think a lot of people are going to be like, that sounds like it's going to be dry and disgusting. I,
0: I fully support less bones.
8: The the. Key to this one is make sure you are soaking your chicken in buttermilk for 24 to 48 hours before you bread and fry it. And that will tenderize everything. The acidity of the buttermilk really helps out. And let me just tell you, like, it is delightful.
0: Look at you sharing pro tips tips. about that. So you may have been wondering what's been going on recently. I've been essentially radio silent on both social media And the podcast feed. Um, And unfortunately, uh, there is a reason. So, earlier this month, um, my younger sister, uh, Liz Peters, passed away. Um, Of course, these past couple of weeks uh, haven't been the easiest, right, for all of my family. And grief is such a, a strange emotion, right? Something we all experience but know so little about. So I postponed recordings, planning meetings, uh, research highlights. This is why the ACP full recap didn't come out until yesterday. And to be completely honest and upfront, I didn't think that I would share this on the podcast. And I specifically told certain people I can remember these conversations that I wouldn't. But when I was reflecting as to why I didn't want to talk about it, why I didn't want to share it, it felt like it was pretty selfish reasons as to why I didn't want to, right? And ultimately, when I reflected, it came down to the fact that I just didn't want to constantly talk about it, answer how I'm doing, how it happened. Um, I think if you've unfortunately had experience with this, sometimes it feels like everyone asks to help themselves feel better because if you actually answered how you were feeling, sometimes I think it would startle some people. Um, but you know, during Liz's celebration of life, uh, many told me that they found out about her passing and service through, uh, my or my mom's social media post. So by sharing this, uh, I think I'm able to celebrate her life again, you know, with you all and definitely let others know, you know, if you're struggling with this and your family, maybe you're struggling with this yourself, something similar, uh, you're definitely not alone. Um, despite how, how alone you may feel in this moment. Um, now if this at home, you want to make a donation in her memory, uh, go to NAMIIndiana.org or NAMI N A M I it's the national Alliance uh, on mental illness. Um, for those who have made donations um, or even bought flowers or plants in Liz's name, uh, a huge, huge, huge thank you. I want to um, specifically shout out the the Critical Care PRN exec team. You hear from the beginning of the episode, there um, the PRN is a sponsor, but uh, Mojda Hevner, Susan Smith, Zach Smith, and Dipali Dixit, um, they unexpectedly contributed flowers to Liz's celebration of life. Um, I didn't necessarily text any of them like individually. um, But when they found out, they kind of went above and beyond trying to, um, in terms of making a touching gesture, it was just awesome. So, you know, huge thank you to those four and everyone who has donated. There's plenty of other people who have reached out and things. Um, So I do appreciate it, even though if I haven't always been the best at responding or things like that. Um, You all will slowly start seeing things return to normal. Episodes are going to come out. I'm still figuring this out one day at a time. So I appreciate your patience. I promise I'm working hard. Uh, I'm really excited to see what the future holds. There are some things coming I haven't been able to announce yet, but they are coming. Uh, The only thing that I ask, the only thing that I ask with sharing this is, Let's not have this be the only topic of conversation that we talk about the next time. If we meet in person, we talk, what have you, as my only ask. But to all the listeners and friends of the pod, I am so very thankful for each and every one of you today and every day. And I'm Nick Peters, and this is Pharmacy to Dose, the Critical Care Podcast. The Critical Care PRN optimizes drug therapy outcomes by promoting excellence and innovation in clinical pharmacy practice, research, and education. For more information, go to critprn.accp.com. Again, that is critprn.accp.com. The podcast general information only does not offer individualized medical or professional care services, including pharmaceutical advice. The content and materials in the podcast are not intended to be a substitute for inpatient pharmaceutical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Use of the content and materials on the podcast does not constitute a pharmacist-patient relationship. As a result, the information in and materials linked to this podcast are applied at the user or patient own risk. Users and patients should consult their physician or personal health care professional. The users and patients should not ignore or delay seeking care because of something they heard on this podcast. In case of an emergency, the user or patient should contact their physician, call nine one one, or go to the nearest medical emergency facility. The views and statements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and should not be interpreted to reflect the official position or policy, of ACP or the Critical Care PRN. ACP and the critical care PRN. Disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or any other damages, including without limitation, loss of profits arising out of any use of reference to, reliance on, or inability to use the podcast, its contents, and materials.